The Forum at 8 on SAFM. Exactly nine minutes past eight to the forum at eight this morning. South Africans welcoming the appointment of former Deputy President Pumzile Mlambongoka to head UN Women as a proud moment for women of Africa and the world. Some describing Mlambongoka as a woman of substance who has taken gender equality concerns to every portfolio she has ever led with grace, humility and commitment. The former Deputy President was appointed as Executive Director of the United Nations Entity for Gender Equality and Empowerment of Women by United Nations Secretary General Ban Ki-moon. She succeeds Michelle Bachelet. She uh, joins us now in the studio to talk about her new role, her experiences and what her priorities will be. A very good morning to you and thank you for taking the time. Thank you. Good morning, Tepi. Good morning to your listeners. What, what has the response been like? I mean, certainly for us watching in the media, there, there seems to be a, an overwhelming amount of support and even euphoria about your appointment. What has been your personal experience? It's been overwhelming, humbling, and uh, very encouraging in every way. In fact, I, as you probably know, I was away on a part to break, but part to team up with the people I was studying with in the UK because we were going to be preparing to write some papers together. But I guess I just couldn't focus mm-hmm. on that project. I had to abandon my so academic friends. So what were you studying as a matter of interest? I was studying education and technology, mm-hmm. a PhD in education and technology. And since uh, uh, some people won't come to the graduation and we thought that we'd come together and just do some papers, draft some papers together, put together some abstracts that we're going to be sending around to journals and things. But it needs concentration. I, I just couldn't do it. I just cut it short and came back home because I wanted to savor the moment and to engage and to listen to what people. Because you start your position uh, mid-August. Mm-hmm. Mid-August, yeah. So I thought, no, I, I I need to be here and uh, I want to express my appreciation uh, to the people of South Africa, um, to people, NGOs, uh, women's organisations, individuals. Uh, the government, uh, president yesterday, uh, very good advice that I got, uh, the Minister of Women, Minister Tungwane, uh, our AU chairperson also sending me some, some heads up. and So, so it's, it's really been overwhelming and I, I highly appreciate it. And I can imagine, I'll get to that in just a moment, the work and just the ground that you need to cover. But I'd like to start with how this whole thing came about. Um, uh, Just take us through your journey and and what was going through your mind when you realized that this is a position that you're likely to occupy. You know, I didn't quite see it coming Mm -hmm. and and maybe just as well, maybe I was going to be to over plan for it, over strategize. It happened very quickly. I was headhunted for it because the the race was quite um, long. And, uh, and I think towards the end, they wanted maybe to strengthen the final team or to diversify. Mm-hmm. So I, I came at, at, at that point and I did an interview from here on, on a video link, which was followed by a one-on-one interview with the Secretary General himself, which was then followed by an announcement uh, by the Deputy Secretary General that uh, I was the successful candidate. Mm-hmm. And, and as it was going through, I just kept on thinking. How did you hear the news? Well, the, the, sec- the Deputy Secretary General called me and, uh, and uh, you know, 
I'll just told them on the phone. I'm trying to employ a fly on the wall um, <coughs> view here. So where were you? Uh, you know, what were you doing? How did you react? I was at home um, here in Johannesburg, and uh, I, I first received a, a phone call to make an appointment that uh, the Deputy Secretary General uh, would like to speak to me at, at four o'clock. And that was about one o'clock. My God, that was the longest wait between one o'clock and four o'clock. And uh, and by then I just thought, you know, if he's going to tell me that I didn't make it, he's not going to call me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll receive an email. So this must be uh, good news. And I called a, a friend or two to say, what do you think? They said, this is it. And we were keeping our fingers crossed. And when I got it, it was me and uh, the auntie who helped us at home. We were jumping together. <laughs> That, that, that's a vision I went to We were jumping together for joy, and, uh, and then we sat down and we had some coffee. <laughs> so let's talk about, um, as you mentioned, that had you thought about you actually getting it, you would have probably overplanned or over-strategized. Yes. And Over-lobbied even, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. I, I'm wondering, the, the, the characteristics... The, the, the principles, the values that you think you bring to the job, and not only as an individual, mm-hmm. but as a South African? Mm-hmm. Well, I think that um, what, the, what the Deputy General Secretary also mentioned to me and what uh, they also highlighted at the press conference, consensus building, which as South Africa, we, we have uh, something to share with the world as far as that is concerned. That was uh, an important aspect uh, the idealism uh, uh, was one of the uh, uh, strengths they thought that we brought into the job as South Africans, as well as realism. A, a, a balance between realism and idealism was, was also one. But also uh, the ability to understand uh, working with member states. And in South Africa, be it in Africa, be it on the globe, we have uh, played quite a role in uh, bringing together different countries, sometimes on issues where countries had different opinions, and sometimes we've been able to pull people together. In particular, in my case, during the interview, they seemed to be quite interested on something that I had even sort of, uh, I mean, I didn't think would be so important, the Kimberley process, if Mm -hmm. you remember it, which was finding a consensus with different countries on how to fight a blood diamond, which mm-hmm. was one of the things that when I was Minister of Trading, of Minerals and Energy, um, I sort of was part of, of, of driving. So for them, that's, they were saying that is the kind of quality of consensus building around difficult that issues that they, that they are looking for and being strategic and being focused on, well, the, on the outcome. I'd imagine that also being quite important considering that uh, the post that you're going into, there are four entities that are yes. folded into Together. your women's. But uh, what I find intriguing is uh, AIDS Free World saying that they're dismayed and appalled at the entrenched culture of sexism apathy and inefficiency at the UN. So from the idealism here comes the reality check. These are some of the things that you're going to have to confront. A global multilateral organization like the UN, it's almost assumed that their house would be in order. In fact I have been warned uh, uh, also by you know, the colleagues that are there in the UN that uh, brace yourself for a rod of, of red tape. If you think that governments have got red tape, you remember here this is a collaboration of governments, so you have to multiply. But things work because, I mean, the UN does work. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not as perfect all the time, but I think it it, it does work and it it achieves a, a great work. So I have to find those strings that I can pull together to make, to make my section work. work and to collaborate better also with the with with colleagues in the UN. And I think um, it's not about reinventing the wheel. I imagine because there, there are a number of other UN institutions that does work with women, because who doesn't work with women? More than half of the population of the world. It's probably not in our face, the work and the needs of women all the time, to the extent that it has to be. Uh, But uh, one of the things that I'm hoping I will be able to do is also to harness the goodwill and the concern that already exists, whether you're thinking of WHO, you're dealing of thinking about UNICEF, Mm -hmm. and some of those that are not visibly women-oriented like UNIDO. Uh, that, however, I think have a lot to do, for instance, when it comes into women's economic empowerment. Have you had a handover session with your predecessor, Michelle Bachelet, mm. and, uh, or are you at least aware of the priority areas that yes. you think were important to her, that you have identified as something to continue with? I know one of the things that she was talking about is a quota system, especially in terms of political representations, that she wants to see all countries adopt that. Yes, uh, I, I haven't spoken to her, but I will. I will be speaking to her before assuming uh, the job, and I'm even hoping that uh, probably there will be an opportunity for a face-to-face meeting. But there is uh, an, an interim uh, acting person that uh, uh, likes me that I've we've been speaking uh, regularly, and there is a strategic plan uh, for the for the division. Uh, so it has uh, set uh, priority areas. They include leadership and participation, which Michelle was also very concerned about, hence the, quota, uh, uh, the quotas that she was talking about. Economic empowerment is another focus area. Uh, uh, peace, uh, including vi- uh, fighting violence against women, is another priority area. Plan engendered planning and budgeting in countries is another area. And the MDGs, um, uh, which then takes on the issues of poverty, reproductive health. The area which for me is understated, which I would love to be able to push uh, forward, is education and girls' education in particular, and take advantage of the fact that there's a race to 2015 on the MDGs and access to education universally for girl children, for boys and girls, I suppose, but I suppose my angle will be girl mm-hmm. children, is something that I want to, ri- to ride on this low-hanging fruit, so to say, because everybody is, is anxious that we, we achieve as much as possible in the remaining time. We're going to take calls in just a moment, but I'd like to just look at that. Why, in your mind, is educating the girl child important? I mean, there are all sorts of... Uh, you know, analogies about why this is important, educate a woman, educate uh, a, a community, nation. a nation, mm. but, but why is it important for you? Well, uh, just if you think of the number of people who are unemployed in any society, the majority of the people who are unemployed will be those who have less education and lower quality education. Because it's not just about education, it's also about quality. But being in school is a start uh, if you think of the number of girls who, uh, who fall pregnant and are unable to take care of their babies, it, education plays a role. Girls stay longer at school when, I mean, prolong, uh, I mean, re- take longer to get pregnant if they are at school. And when we think about uh, HIV and AIDS infections, girls who are in school uh, are safer than those who are who are out of school. And poverty 
poverty just is part of uh, what impacts on those who have no education. So when we're thinking about girls reaching their full potential, making a difference, uh, looking after their communities, and ensuring that the next generation uh, within their own families, within their own communities, are better off. Education is the best, uh, you know, you know, uh, assets that we could give to them. One of the things we touched in, which we'll discuss after the break and when we take the calls, is that issue of re- reproductive rights. And I know that's a mm. huge thing, especially for the African Women's mm. Protocol. But we are taking calls 0891-104-208. Do call us on this number if you have a question uh, for Pumzile Mlambo Nuka, who is the head of UN Women. 0891-104-208. We are available on SMS as well. 34701. That's the SMS hotline two rand per SMS. Tweet us on at AM Live on SFM. Our Twitter handle at AM Live on SFM and our email address is amlive at sabc.co.za. The Durban International Film Festival takes over Durban in July from the 18th to the 28th with more than 170 films and over 300 screenings in 11 venues across the city, offering the best in cinema from around the world, as well as a feast of workshops, seminars and masterclasses for aspiring and professional filmmakers. Join me, Subin Boya, with other local and international stars for South Africa's biggest film festival. For more information, go to durbanfilmfest.co.za. The festival is principally supported by the National Lottery Distribution Trust Fund. Join me, Hilton Tarrant, every weeknight at 6 for the SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. With breaking business news, expert analysis, investment insights and the story behind the story, we're helping you make sense of the markets and your money. That's the Market Update, weeknights right here on SAFM at 6. Tax season is open. And we're hitting the streets to see how South Africans prefer to file their tax returns. E-filing is easy, my easy. Because the e-filing is really basic. It's just a couple of clicks. Computerizing makes it easier for us. They show me e-filing. My friend has um, introduced me to e-filing. I use e-filing. Yes, yes, yes. E-filing is the best. It takes quick, quick. Uh, definitely on e-filing. Definitely. Tax season is open, and more and more South Africans are choosing to e-file their returns because it's fast, easy, and convenient. If they can do it, you can do it. Visit sarsefiling.co.za for more information. SARS, at your service. I would like to encourage everyone to do something worthy for someone else on Mandela Day. We have all equally been awed by his dedication to others. He inspires people across the world and across the generations. You're an example to us all of perseverance, forgiveness, strength, wisdom and grace. Mandela Day reminds us that we all have a little bit of Mandela in ourselves. I will also be giving my 67 minutes. I would like to express my admiration about the great men Please, please, please. On the 18th of July, let's stand together. Give 67 minutes of your time to do what you can. Take action. Inspire change. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. 
25 minutes past 8, we continue our conversation with former Deputy President Pumzile Mlangbu Nguka, who is now head of the United Nations Entity for Gender Equality and Empowerment of Women, UN Women. Do give us a call. Perhaps you have a question for her, 0891-104-208. Let's get to the callers. Uh, and I'm going to appeal to you all. I'm sure that there are a lot of people who want to come behind you and ask questions, just so that we can spread the time between the callers uh, to be as brief as possible. Gift in Port Elizabeth, a very good morning to you and to talk about gender transformation. Uh, yes, hi, hi, Tepiso, and hi to Mrs. Mlamogmoga. You know, I, I must say that uh, this country is fortunate to, to have dynamic and powerful women like um, Mlamogmoga. Some of us who don't normally acknowledge and appreciate, and I think that that's the first issue that I want to raise. But the last issue that I want to raise uh, with your guest, you know, I must say that your appointment will reaffirm our view that the struggle for gender equality has always been part and parcel, though not a byproduct of the struggle for national liberation in this country. And the last issue, and I hope that you know endeavors, since you are in that portfolio, three issues that I think you have to focus on, which to me has also been the objective of the women's movement in this country, yes, among others. Yes, I, I think you must focus on the breakdown of patriarchy as a system which is based and reinforcing the ideology, practices, values, culture, stereotypes, and all the manifestations of the unequal power relations between women and men. And I think if you focus on that one, you will succeed. All right, thanks a lot, Gift. Uh, again, I'd appeal to the corners, please be as brief as possible. There are so many calls coming through and SMSs. We'd like to give everybody a chance. Mvusue Kaya Mpisho. You, might, you wanted to focus on Africa first. Ladies. Good morning. Who dropped the cup of coffee there? I, saw I heard a cup uh, dropping on the phone. I think we heard that you were on the line. <laughs> Look, I, I just want to say congratulations to, to Mamumla Bonuga on her appointment. Two things that I want to suggest. One, that she should put Africa first, Africa and de- underdeveloped countries, so that we close the geo-economic gap with other countries. The last thing I want to suggest is that she must not be like a Mampele Rampele, who when she went to, 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 to these multinationals, she was consumed by them and did not put African interests uh, as a priority. Good luck. Thanks, Mbusue Kaya. Thanks. Faisal and Mayfair, you want to talk about abuse against women? Yes, uh, yeah, hi, Spito. Hi, Congratulations. Congratulations to Madam Nguka. Thank you. Uh, I, uh, I wonder if she could help me out. You know, about a year and a half ago, I laid a complaint with the South African Human Rights Commission and the Commission for Gender Equality about a verse in the Quran that stated that in the event of a domestic dispute, a Muslim man has a God-given right to beat up his wife. I, uh, I, 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 there was a decision against me by the Human Rights Commission and the Gender Commission. I've appealed against the decision. But the, 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 the Human Rights Commission and the Gender Commission are refusing to hear my appeal. Is, is the office of, 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 of the United Nations, can they help me out in this particular regard? Okay, Will they be able to interact? Frank, talk in Mangawung. You want to congratulate sir. Um, quick one, uh, former Deputy President. Congratulations to you. Um, you. Those of us who have witnessed you working as a Deputy President and as a Deputy Minister, are confident that the work ethic is the one that got you there. And uh, we are happy as Africans, we are happy that it just come after Nkosa uh, Zanazuma has just been appointed. All the best, fly the flag high. Thank you. Perhaps if I could just get you to answer one or two of the issues mm. that have been raised. Gift speaking about um, 
the fight against uh, the emancipation of women being linked somehow to the struggle for national identity. I think you yourself have said something about that. You were uh, part of uh, an organization in the UDF, mm. basically yeah. twinning those two struggles. So you would agree with that sentiment? Definitely. Uh, and I think even before I became a, a part of the of the UDF and the Natal Organization of Women, which was an affiliate mm -hmm. of, of UDF, I think my own exposure to race, gender, and class started as a teenager uh, in a little, not so, you know, vibrant uh, organization at uh, the YWCA, which dealt with the issues of race because we were black, of class because we were from poor com community, and then uh, and gender because we were women. So, you know, one was thrust into the triple oppression struggle right from the word go. And I've, I've never known the struggle to be any other way. By the time I was engaging in anti-apartheid struggle, that approach was already uh, entrenched in me, and I'm so thankful for that uh, balance and, and outlook. And therefore, fighting patriarchy, just comes natural uh, to, to, to some extent. But I would like to say and, and, and mobilize people like give to enlightened men that uh, fighting patriarchy has to be done with men as well. Mm. Against men and women who also embrace patriarchy, but with men. So we need to broaden the foot soldiers for gender uh, equity, and we need men to be amongst the leading cadres in ensuring that's that a very we break down. important uh, and interesting point. Women who embrace, but also enforce patriarchy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, our challenge uh, also as as mothers uh, is to make sure that uh, we start fighting patriarchy as soon as our babies are born. In the same way that when our babies are born, we we'll worry about immunization, about uh, getting them baptized, and I think that there's got to be a way in which fighting for gender equity in our minds and in the manner in which we social is, is up there for both our little girls and our little boys. And I want us to continue with that conversation, but uh, let's quickly take the news headlines first and get an update from Rob Byrne uh, and then later look at those various manifestations of patriarchy because uh, uh, there, there are quite a few of these issues that have been flagged. Uh, 29 minutes to 9. Vibhachani Chetty has your news headlines. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. And we continue our conversation 25 minutes to 9. We have in the studio here former Deputy President Pumzile Mlambo Ngoka, who has been appointed by the Secretary General of the United Nations, Ban Ki-moon, as the Executive Director of the United Nations Entity for Gender Equality and Empowerment of Women. We're taking your calls on 0891-104208 if you'd like to ask a question, perhaps pass on your congratulations to her. Um, just to go back... Uh, to some of the issues raised by the callers. Gift was talking about patriarchy and uh, one of the issues that I think it's a worldwide phenomena and is often spoken about but one sees very little in terms of progress of dealing with that and that's the vulnerability of women in war situations. But I was just looking at a report just saying that for instance uh, the resurgence of female genital mutilation within communities under attack is one of the manifestations of carrying out uh, 
that mm-hmm. patriarchal system, but also, you know, the continuing the subjugation, abuse, and exploitation of women. And I also find it interesting that, for instance, one of uh, the reasons we've seen such high levels of violence is that the underlying acceptance of violence in communities in general, uh, what is not acknowledged but it, uh, outwardly accepted is then entrenched in such a manner. Mm. Well, definitely, it is a problem. I mean, the face of suffering that is related to war is a woman's face. It's a, it's a child's face. And those are the people who are less, less likely to cause a war and attack anybody. And yet they bear the brunt of violence. The increase in rape of women in situations of war is actually appalling. And, and, and the UN, many governments, NGOs have, have spoken about it. And uh, there isn't as effective law enforcement and protection mm-hmm. of women in those situations because right now we should be anticipating some of uh, these uh, attacks because of the frequency with which they, they seem to, to happen. So this is part of the mandates of, 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 the, of the units that I'll be working for and uh, without knowing very well from where I am now what is already being done but it certainly is one of those areas that I would like to, to lift up mm. and to focus on and because uh, there is an expectation thankfully that I will be focusing on, on Africa and, and, and developing countries as one of the colors they highlighted uh, when it comes to Africa this is definitely one of the areas that I will be focusing on if you think about the Great Lakes especially uh, where we thankfully have a, a woman who is an, 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 an envoy uh, for the Secretary General Mary Robinson she has also picked up this as one of the issues so I'm glad that I've got an ally there mm-hmm. uh, to work with uh, uh, Madam Gosazana Zuma has also highlighted some of these issues in her own work so you know there's, there's, there's a, a, swelling, a swelling ground of concerned parties around these issues and of course I think uh, the the the, co- the coalitions of NGOs uh, that are focusing on these issues are looking for people in strategic places to work with so as mm-hmm. to address these things. But I'd imagine part of the challenge would be, I mean, just looking at the UN system, how countries get bogged down in the bureaucracy of terminology when they're supposed to pass resolutions on such important issues. And your role also having to straddle the line of diplomacy mm-hmm. And also with very little funding to uh, to roll out some of those programs. You know, um, I am scared of being bogged down by uh, bureaucracy and red tape, really, because uh, with all of us who have been in government, we just know how much that can uh, take you out of the track that you you you, mm-hmm. you want to follow. So I will need to find a strategy. Uh, not to undermine some of the well-intended in, in, in uh, given conventions that dem- that bureaucracy represents, but at the same time ensuring that those uh, conventions uh, do not become a problem by itself. Obviously, I'll have to learn for those who have been there before me. I am trying to talk to some of the women even around mm. South Africa who have worked for the UN system and who seem to have been able to walk walk around the system and to get to where they wanted to get uh, uh, without uh, you know trampling on too many 
toses mm. and irritating too many countries. But it is something that I am uh, worried about because even when I was in government, this was one of the things that used to worry me a lot. Those who worked with me knew that I was always like pushing that let's just get to the point. Mm. I don't want to take too much time away from your calls because I see there are more callers lining up. But the issue of funding, how do you think you're going to circumvent that? Have uh, is it something that you think you're going to have a conversation with your new boss to say, is there a way that we can get more money? Because activists who are watching the work of UN Women say it, it almost pleases the rich countries that they blame for continuing some of the practices that lead to the abuses of women by saying that they're probably happy that there's not enough funding to roll out some of the programs. Yeah, well, you know. Uh in uh, public institutions, uh, the concept of unfunded mandates is something that we are all familiar with. Uh, but uh, you have got to go out there and look for the resources to augment the basic resources that mm. you get from uh, institutions. And uh, sadly, uh, you have this kind of a challenge where there is limited uh, resources, and yet there's a lot of money in the world. Mm. Uh, some of it's trended um, even uh, I think that uh, learning to go out there and uh, engage with people who, who believe in the things that we've been trying to do uh, uh, people that we could uh, engage on the changes that we, and the impact that we want to make on the lives of women will be something very, very important. So even people who are listening out there now, I would like to Open their encourage, <laughs> encourage them to, to think about investing in women and investing in the future of the world. Okay. Let's take calls 891 I'd like to read some SMSs quickly. Nati Zikubu in Khrotvul says, We love you, Mlambu Nguga, our first woman deputy president. You always excellent, are competent. WM writes, The history has such success in leadership and skills training, and its program is always adapting to the needs of girls and young women. Like Mashale Mazakali Village, congrats to Mrs. Mlambu Nguga in her new role. She deserves it. She's a hardworking individual. Pat in Johannesburg, you want to congratulate her. You say you work with her, Pat. Hi, Pat. I'm so excited. Yes, you can go ahead, Pat. We can hear you. Yes, I'm so excited, ma'am, and I just wanted to say congratulations, and I, I feel very confident that you will definitely not only represent the women of the world, but also the South African women as well, and our country and make us proud. You are a powerful woman. You have shown it in many different ways in many different challenges that you have faced up with. And just want to say to you, you work with her where? on that. At Ndiza Finance. Okay. Oh. Yes. That's that she knows which <laughs> Pat it is. Thanks a lot, Pat. Nyakallo in Pretoria, good morning to you. Good morning. I just want to say congratulations to Ms. Mlambo Nuda. I know how the women emancipation issue resonates close to her heart. I'm actually one of the products of the women that she started initiating to increase the participation of women in mining. I did my master's degree with the WC Institute, and I am proud to say I have moved from the private sector to strengthen government and in mining now, a minister, a former minister, oh. you are such a powerful woman. We look up to you as women in Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Martha in Mtata, good morning to you. You'd also like to congratulate her. Yes, that is a good morning. Good morning, ma'am. basically, I would like to congratulate uh, our former deputy minister, 
And I'm so glad that I could hear the background that she was with YWCA and also the UGS. Because at first I thought, oh, mom, Lambo, Nora seems to be so soft. How is she going to take this? Now I'm confident. Thank you very much, Mama. We are so proud of you. Thank you very much, Mama. Thanks, Ma. And uh, some more SMS. Sianda says she is from KZN, and we are proud of this outstanding patriot, African intellectual and internationalist. It's a good gift for my Diba country. Congrats to Pumzile. What do you plan to do to stop the suffering of women in Syria at uh, hands of U.S. from Chet in Cape Town? And uh, Tabo O'Brien Kumalo in Peter Maritzburg says, Congratulations, Mrs. Ngoga. Our continent will benefit immensely. I'm proud to be an African. Please pass my regards to Tabo Mbegi. And uh, this uh, tweet from Shabidzo says, uh, How we roll it in South Africa. We produce dynamic women to help change the world. All the best, Mama. And uh, Danosa Og says, Congratulations, Pumsile Mlambongoka. Your appointment speaks volumes about Africa's future. Uh, walk tall. South Africa is behind you. So let's go from war situations to elections because ultimately one would hope that, although we wouldn't want war to even be in existence, mm. but one would hope that the ultimate uh, end of that would be a democratic process and mm. elections are very important part of that. There's been a suggestion I think by the head of the International Parliamentary Union saying for instance that there should be better security provided for female candidates mm. in elections uh, and for instance uh, that this aggregating uh, disaggregating the results of women in elections, that would also help uh, get a better understanding of the effect of elections uh, and suffrage on women and children. Your response to that and how we can also achieve better monitoring of abuses in countries, regimes in countries on the continent? I think uh, in, in, in different uh, countries uh, where this threat exists, it's actually important for the equivalent of IECs as well as political parties to actually make it their business that part of their election protocol and the manner in which elections are handled includes protection of women. Because uh, clearly in, many, in some countries, just to, to have the women on the slate is not enough. People will be on the slate, women will be on the slate, they'll go out on campaign and they'll be killed for it. We have uh, seen countries where even it's even worse where women are even bad from uh, being um, on the slate. So there is need for specific uh, protection measures to be taken against women, both uh, in terms of physical violence as well as uh, other forms of intimidation. I also think that uh, we need to raise uh, still the issue of uh, quotas of women, which my predecessor uh, uh, took up and uh, wanted this this unit to to try and promote with with member states. This is something that I'm also very passionate about because I've seen that in South Africa it did take us uh, a, a step further. It gave us the great leap that we needed, but uh, at the same time focusing on the quality of the women that we bring to the fore, so that we are able to bring women that will uh, have the impact that that is desired. Where women are uh, also uh, killed uh, in, 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 while they are participating um, in different uh, electoral and not even just, just women being leaders where there's, there's intimidation. 
I think that it is the responsibility of uh, law enforcers to actually provide physical protection uh, to those women. But ideally, uh, it is also to educate communities and society about uh, how unacceptable Mm. that kind of behavior and threats against women's lives and persons is. We're talking about... Social education, I suppose, earlier on, just about the importance of not only educating women but also men mm-hmm. in the driving for the uh, emancipation of women. And I was quite shocked by these statistics. 19.5% is the number of women parliamentarians we have in the world. They're obviously yeah. um, countries that are doing very well. I think Rwanda has been cited as mm-hmm. one of them, South Africa, one of mm-hmm. them. But an active citizen. How do we encourage that? How do we ensure that? Public education for women is also important because women are voters and the numbers of women are such that women voters can make a difference in the manner in which uh, they vote. I was also quite shocked when I saw that statistics and the fact that there's like what, maybe about nine women heads of states in yes. the world. It's 12, so, I think it's 12 oh, now. Oh. Um, it was uh, it's increased from 8 in 2005 mm-hmm. to 17 in 2012. Head, uh, women heads, heads of, of state yes, and yeah. governance, yes. So, but still, it's, it's still a, a, a drop in the, in in the, the ocean. ocean. And uh, it's uh, even more shocking with parliamentarians because you would have thought that uh, the glass ceiling has been systematically shattered there, but clearly uh, it is not. So when you talk about uh, the issue of violence against women who are running for office, I think uh, the elimination of women's presence ultimately in parliament starts happening there. Mm-hmm. With people fearing for 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 their lives because of violence, families uh, worried about their their loved ones, and that's just the general uh, discouraging environment that women find themselves in. So the issue of leveling the playing field for women uh, in in every aspect still exists uh, in many mm-hmm. countries. Thankfully, in South Africa, that is not one of the problems we have. We don't have women being killed, you know, for for contesting an election. Hmm. I, I wanted to go back to an issue that we were talking about, and that is the reproduction of women, uh, rights of women. The African Women's Protocol, somebody, uh, I was speaking to an activist from Oxfam saying that, for instance, it's a, it's a great concern that you have 36 countries that are signatories to this, but they are signatories with a reservation. So meaning that even though they say they support uh, the reproductive rights or health of women, it's still in danger because they don't, let alone observing it, what about those who are not signatories? What are we saying uh, as a continent, yeah. even as a world on this issue? It, it's one of the issues in the realm of the MDGs I personally would like to pay attention to. I am a, a member of a, a Global Leaders Council whose main concern is uh, MDG 5B, which is reproductive health. And the data that we look at there is really shocking. Unsafe motherhood, um, early pregnancies uh, that is encouraged in communities in, 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 in a number of countries, the lack of access to contraception mm. uh, in the world is just amazing. If you just think about the environment, which is something that is very high on the agenda uh, for most of us and for most countries, one of the biggest threats to the environment 
is the the lack of reproductive rights to women because uh, once women have got uh, pregnancies that they don't want it just means that uh, they give birth to children that they will they not they don't only not want that they will not be able to take care of so that just compounds what's the uh, the number of people that mm. are out there and what the the the, popul- the 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 planet uh, can cope with and the support and care and, the, and the care that is needed for that uh, for that population so this is the issue of reproductive health is a big 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 issue and uh, and in and, and, and some countries even though we've seen uh, increase to access there are some countries where the conditions are just appalling and uh, it's compounded now also with HIV and AIDS because we reproductive health of women are not uh, given due attention, then uh, we also expose women to, to mm. diseases. The right of women to have control over their bodies. bodies. And, and, and that's also an economic factor. Mm. I want us to touch on that, lastly, but I want to take uh, three quick calls. If I could ask you to be quick, Ashanti, Mashile and Tami. We, we're going to start with uh, Mashile in Bushpark Ridge. You want to congratulate her, but ask her a question. Good morning, Mashile. Good morning. Uh, congratulations on the appointment. Thank you. Um, I yeah, I just wanted to raise this point, man. There is the black um, Italian minister, I think he's born in Congo, something like that, mm-hmm. who is on uh, constant torment from opposition parties. The, the latest, I'm sure you may have heard that she's compared to an orangutan. Mm. Is, it, is it something that um, can be pursued through your office to protect those women that have been appointed to high positions by being undermined? Uh, and the government of Italy not doing anything, you know, to protect the, the, this minister. Definitely. Thank you very much. Uh, that's uh, Mashile in Bushpark Ridge. Tamim, welcome. Good morning. You want to talk to her about psychic education. Sisfumzile, how are you? I am fine. Please remind me, Kanene, your name, your Makoti name is? Nontembeko. <laughs> Thank you. Congratulations once more, Siswan. Thank you. Now, what I I always say, wherever you go, uh, due to the fact that at some stage you were in Lesotho and you've got an alma mater there, that country's success and challenges will always follow you. Mm -hmm. I I know, I mean, I'm in South Africa, but, you know, based upon our struggle, we know how that country always assisted us. How would you... I know your budget will be global. How would you assist them and tap on their skill to move on? Thank you, mm-hmm. Tammy. Ashanti in Durban? Yeah, finally, you know, one of the things we discussed in Addis uh, uh, and greetings Ashanti to... Ashanti, you are. Oh, yes. Morning, how are you? <laughs> what a blessing. I was saying to Sis Kalasika Kimaro... Finally, we've got the right one, baby, according to Ray Charles, because we needed somebody of your caliber who is not going to just play with bureaucracy, but is really going to honestly and sincerely, and not negating those who have come before you, but we know the kind of character that is being presented to the UN. And when we were in Addis, we were sure 
that there will be no other candidate but you that can take this forward. And also, from the Pan-African Women's Organization, we have all full confidence, a hundred, a thousand and fifty percent, that you are going to advance, not just African women in, or developing women, but women across the spectrum, because you have proven that you love women, you love the African agenda, but you love the fact that you will advance men also into their, into their, take them out of the fear that they have about women. I'm afraid I'm going to have women. to cut you off there. But thank you very much, Cleve from uh, Durban. Uh, Thanks, somebody who's uh, an <laughs> activist, as you know, on African issues of women. But encouraging, very encouraging. Let's quickly deal with, um, which is a very interesting point, and I wanted to ask about your personal experience. The, the person that uh, Mashila was talking about is Cecil Kayenge. She's a Congolese immigrant who's lived in Italy apparently since 1983, appointed uh, to the cabinet as the first black cabinet minister in Italian history, but uh, facing taunts. And I think there's the assumption that once you've made it to that level, you were the first deputy prime minister who was a woman in the history of this country. What are you confronted with there? Does it change at all? Do people begin having respect for you or do they even diminish you because you are a woman and in that position? I mean, people will try to, to trivialize things that you say, but you've got to stand your ground. It is very important. But having said that, the contexts are different. Nothing that uh, happens to me, and I must also be honest, uh, I was uh, relatively protected because once you are at a presidential level, there's a lot of layers. If you're going to be in a place, everybody knows who's arriving and who they are and, and, and so on. So that sort of uh, fends off mm. uh, uh, at least, uh, you know, unrelenting uh, racists as well as sexists. But this case of Italy is really way beyond what has to be accepted. Quick, final I, it, it's something that I must tell Mashile is we are going to take up. Definitely. Final question. I wanted us to get through, but there's so much to get through. The issue of uh, economic participation of women. It's something that uh, needs private sector. There are certain industries that are more strategic for women, especially if we have to focus on women at the bottom of the pyramid, like women in Lesotho, as Tammy was saying. Agriculture is very important, but also I would say education is very important to ensure that we support women, not just the girl, the girl children in particular, but women in general. We've got to provide them with the skills that will make them uh, navigate, as well as ensuring that uh, when women are in situations of war, uh, they lose all their uh, economic strength, economic opportunities diminish for everybody, but even more for women. So we actually even have to apply our minds about what are we going to do with women in Syria and their economic well-being? Some of them would have lost their husbands, their brothers, and some of the people that support them. So they need, uh, we need a strategy to ensure that those women can, can, can get on with their lives. I don't know all the answers sitting here to be so and, uh, quite but anxious. But you certainly get to Quite it. anxious, but I'm going to give it my all, absolutely my all. I think that we owe the women of the world everything that we have. And I would love to collaborate with uh, women in the media and people in the media in general to make the issue of women to be in our face. I because feel it's not in our face enough. 
We certainly wish you all the best and we'll be right behind you in that. Thanks to everybody who called in SMS. I would like to thank the team as well. Tracy Boomgard, Michelle Shandlal, and Zwaiki Kukwenzegile, and Latia, senior producers, Lungile Mabaso, and Sengiwe Mabaso. Technical producer, Lebo Munana, Izzy Padayachi, foreign producers, Ronald Piri, Jake Mukuma, chief producers, Wutzilo Koto, executive producers, Busi Chani, and Obri Sechea. From us, thanks for listening. Up next is Morning Talk, the news at 9 o'clock with Fabashni Chetty. Goodbye.